Magpies have a reputation for being drawn to shiny things. This seems to originally stem from a 19th century French play in which a servant is accused of stealing silverware, but, in reality, it was a magpie that nicked it. This led to a Rossini opera that basically retold that story. In 1982, the animated Secret of Nim film also depicted a crow that was drawn almost hypnotically to sparkly things. The truth is, corvids, crows, magpies, that kind of bird, they don't care for shiny or sparkly things any more than any other kind of thing, reflectivity notwithstanding. Me, on the other hand, the shinier, the better. So on today's episode, we're looking at the new, the shiny. We're talking novelty. Dr. Ryan Strait, Assistant Professor at the University of Arizona, and this is The New Professor. So, in light of the topic today, what do you think of the new intro music? Not bad, huh? A little over 40 episodes, maybe a mid-pod crisis, I don't know. Anyway, welcome back. It's a brand new academic year, already just a few days into fall semester. Though, to be honest, it feels like we should already be in week two or three. I've been done with updates to classes for a while now, and the websites are open and available, but the process I use has changed considerably which may or may not be the inspiration for this episode. See, it's true. I'm a sucker for novelty. I get bored easily, so I'm always seeking out that new hobby, that new thing I haven't tried, that solution to a problem that I didn't even know I had until it presented itself. Does this sound familiar? Do you do this? Do you fall down the novelty rabbit hole? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But first, what is novelty? In short, novelty simply means something new. And we'll get to other definitions in a bit, but why are we talking about novelty? It's everywhere. It shapes our very existence in this consumer culture we find ourselves in. Interestingly, our openness to new things may even point toward our relative intelligence. In Psychology Today, Satoshi Kanazawa states very simply... Intelligence is correlated with openness to novel experience. He has a whole write-up on evolutionary familiarity and evolutionary novelty and how they interact with intelligence, which is well worth a read. But I want to mostly focus on one particular aspect of novelty today. Technology. Clive Thompson, in a piece for The Message, describes his four-part, quote, adoption curve for new tech. I want to read it, and you tell me if this sounds familiar to you. Number one, I stumble across an intriguing new piece of software, hardware, or social service. Number two, it offers me some curious new ability, a new way to communicate or get work done, so I give it a whirl. 
Three, the new behavior is awesome. I'm using it all the time. I'm having a blast. Then, four, at some point, maybe weeks or months or even years later, I suddenly drift away. I find myself picking it up less and less. Eventually, I stop entirely, and the app or gigaw grows dusty and disuse until I delete it out of its misery. I mean, Clive couldn't have been describing me any better if he'd tried. I used to be an utter junkie for lifehackers, highlighted tools, and tech. I thought, if I can just find that one perfect piece of the system, everything will fall into place and I'll float into my golden age of productivity, effortlessly producing the most innovative and groundbreaking work I ever have and may ever come up with. In truth, what it got me was a wasteland of fragmented information and content strewn across dozens of abandoned or broken services, that work mostly being lost to me forever. The precise opposite of what I was trying to accomplish in the first place. Also, gigaw. <laughs> Great word. Okay, so do let's back up a bit and talk about the psychology of why we're the fiction of the magpie in the first place. Why are we drawn to the shiny new thing? And if you're not this person, I commend you for your stick to -itedness. Still, this may be useful for the magpie in your life. Now, I'm not a psychologist, but from what I gather, this actually starts in infancy. Put two different things in front of an infant, and their attention will be on the one least familiar to them, essentially. When I first came across that, I thought, well, yeah. Evolutionarily speaking, we're better off paying attention to the unfamiliar thing that could hurt us than the familiar thing we know won't. I mean, it makes sense, really. It is quite literally in our best interest to put more cognitive effort into understanding new and unknown things than it is to reanalyze the familiar. This is known as the stress response, and a higher stress response to unfamiliar situations is perfectly normal. Little side note here, interesting, if the infant does not pay more attention to the new thing, that can actually be an indication of a developmental issue. So. Just FYI. Let's stick with childhood for a second. In another life, I was actually intending to be a high school English teacher. I moved in another direction, which should be obvious, but I did keep up with the tech in schools and how every new tool was for some time, and in some ways still is, seen as the holy grail, the panacea for all of education's woes. Stick the right tool in the kids' hands and voila, Mensa members the lot. So you get lots of studies, like, hey, let's put a laptop in this classroom. Oh, look, the kids are way more into the content. And, I mean, yeah, they could be. But it also could just be what's known as the Hawthorne effect, in that any change to environment or tools will trigger that novelty preference and folks will work harder or pay more attention. I mean, the Hawthorne effect isn't great science, there's a link in the show notes, but it does seem to be played out pretty readily. Let's do a little experiment, shall we? It's the first week of class for folks here, so I know everyone's flush with free time. <laughs> Try this. Rearrange your office or your workspace this week. Anything from flipping the locations of the couch and the table to turning the entire room 90 degrees to just changing the window treatment or the art on the wall. Just make it feel like a new space. See if your productivity goes up immediately afterwards. I'm going to bet that it does. I will also bet that it trails back off not long after to its normal baseline. And this reminds me of something I heard once on QI. We all have a baseline. 
For example, the idea that people get grumpier as they get older is just a myth. In fact, grumpy old men were at one point just grumpy young men. They just maybe weren't identified as such. Even folks that win the lottery, those you'd think would have a permanent bump in happiness and satisfaction, end up just going back to being the kind of person they were before. Same personality, same everything, just with more money. So we have a general baseline for who we are. Basically, we are who we are, and no amount of new and shiny will change that. Of course, sure, you may find something that really, really gels with how you already think and work, and that's awesome. A well-oiled machine you are. But in all honesty, it's less to do with you effortlessly fitting into some arbitrary ecosystem than it is about putting in the effort and having the determination to use whatever you have. Anyway, back to the tech and so I can undermine everything I just said. So anytime this week or next, I should be receiving something very, very cool. At least I want it to be cool. I'm fully expecting it to be, and I'm really actually trying to manage my expectations here. So do you remember Google Glass? That weird kind of augmented reality headset thing that was just a little too early for prime time? I mean, it was bulky, the design was pretty poorly thought out, I think, and it makes you look just... Well, recall that the nickname given to people wearing them was Glasshole. I think that says it all. From what I understand, it's still used in industry, but as a broadly available consumer good, it never took off. Fast forward to 2019, and introducing a little company called North. They make what purports to be the first actually decently attractive, even unidentifiably augmented reality glasses. The tech they use to make it work is actually really neat, but essentially they're just, well, glasses. You wouldn't know they're special in any way just by looking at them. Short version of this, there's a little projector placed next to the temple that bounces light off the glass and directly into the eye, which creates the illusion of a heads-up display hovering about two feet in front of you. Because of this, the sizing and the fitting of the glasses is paramount. The littlest change in that positioning means you can't see it at all. And this requires you to travel to one of their showrooms or visit one of their traveling pop-ups for a 3D scan of your head, which is a little disconcerting. <laughs> I mean, I did it and it was neat, but anyway. I did that in July, and my glasses should be arriving any day now. Exciting times, right? Now, I don't want this to be a plug for North because A, I don't work for them, B, they haven't paid me to say anything like this, and C, I haven't even gotten the glasses yet, and perhaps I'll do an episode of those once I do, but... Novelty 2, Augmented Boogaloo. But just listen to a very brief list of the things these puppies can do. You can view your OneNote and Evernote notes, right there. You can identify a song that's playing and have it display the artist in the track, which is kind of cool. Work with your daily to-do lists, like Google Tasks or Todoist. Get your morning briefing, the weather, your calendar, even your commute time. You can get your Google Fit stats and periodic reminder to drink more water, which I think we all need. Live updates to your flight status while you're just sitting there. You can read your Google Slides presenter notes and control the presentation you're currently giving. Learn a new language. Get turn-by-turn -turn walking directions and even call an Uber. This list just goes on and on, and it keeps getting longer and longer by the day. Do I need them? No. Do I want them? Oh yeah. I mean, I can 
kind of justify it by virtue of the fact that I have the job that I have and that I could, I suppose, actually kind of write them off as a business expense for my research, but either way, they're new, they're shiny, and like the crow, I really want them. Luckily, they should be arriving within a week, so... Is it the novelty effect? Perhaps. I'm not entirely sure anyone can say one way or the other. Who gets to decide if our desire for or willingness to engage with novelty is fleeting or not? Perhaps, just perhaps, the next thing will be that ultimate fix for all our problems. Once again, thank you for listening to this little podcasty thing of mine. If you found it entertaining or informative or useful or all of the above or maybe a subset, whatever, please do subscribe and rate it on the podcatcher of your choice, whether that is iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or whichever one you choose. And as usual, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at NewProfCast, while show notes, transcripts, and more can be found on the website, thenewprofessor.com. Until next time.